so uh, Jack and I are parents. Derek and Natalie have a sweet baby girl and a sweet little boy on the way. Shay is a parent. Uh, when you have kids, it takes the busyness next level because it's not just your busyness, but it's all their stuff too. Our kids are getting to the age where they have oh so many activities uh, every single day of the week and sports and those kind of things where when they're real little, they may want to do an activity like they're going to do gymnastics. And so they go to gymnastics once a week for like an hour. When they're in middle school, like they've got like practice two or three days a week and then games and meets and whatnot. So um, like, like every day of ours is, is like a nightmare, man. Especially Jackie, because Jackie is in grad school on top of doing calf and on top of on top of being a super mom and, and getting the kids to everything. So, uh, yeah, she's, she's the most busy person I know and somehow handles it all with grace. Hey, let's give Jackie Rain a hand. Round of applause. Handles it with uh, beauty and grace and, uh, man, just is doing an awesome job. Uh, but, yeah, we're all, we're all busy sometimes. It's, it's part of, of being alive, right? Um, that you guys maybe remember being, being a kid, uh, maybe your elementary school years and having those days of just being bored with nothing to do. What happened to those days, right? They're few and far between now if you have them at all. Uh, Tonight we're talking about busyness. Um, We've been doing a a series these last few weeks about rest, Um, spending the last few weeks talking about rest and the rest uh, that Jesus wants to offer us. And tonight in particular we want to kind of drill on rest from busyness, sometimes that hectic pace of life, right? Just that busy, busy, busy um, makes it feel like there's no time to rest. The hectic pace of life, the busyness um, makes any kind of rest in God seem impossible, right? Um, And and so I really want to drill in on what what does the Bible have to say about rest from busyness? What kind of rest does Jesus offer from that? And that's going to wrap up our series uh, that we've been doing on rest. So again, we've gone through Matthew chapter 11 and 12 these last few weeks, uh, talking about how life has a way of just wearing us out, Uh, that life has a way of leaving us physically exhausted, emotionally weary, spiritually empty, the relentless pace of life can wear us out. And so that's why it's so encouraging when Jesus extends this offer to us in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary, which we talked about is everyone, right? Uh, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden or carry heavy burdens, and I will give you Rest. Rest is what he's offering. Rest and peace. He says those burdens that you're carrying, uh, man, I didn't design you to carry those. Right? Let me take those from your shoulders. I've got a yoke to put upon you that is easy, uh, that is light. I've got a better way. And so Jesus extends this offer of rest. And so these last couple weeks we've been talking about how God wants to apply that rest to every area of your life, right? To your physical life, right? Resting from work. We talked about what is God's purpose and the Sabbath uh, as we followed uh, Jesus and his disciples in Matthew 12 there uh, on a Sabbath day and the Pharisees come after him and throwing accusations at him and he explains, y'all don't even really understand what the Sabbath is about, right? We talked about mental and emotional rest last week when we talked about anxiety and depression. Uh, the prophet uh, Isaiah, Matthew quotes Isaiah and says that Jesus is fulfilling that prophecy as he's going around healing people, that God's going to be gentle with those of us that are weak when he says, uh, a smoldering wick I'm not going to snuff out and a bruised reed I'm not going to break. Um, 
the Bible says, man, that's God's heart for you. So when you feel emotionally weary, when you feel mentally fragile, anxious, depressed, all those kind of things, man, God's going to be gentle with you in that, and God wants to give you relief from that as well. Um, and, and so tonight, man, we're really drill, drilling down on uh, spiritual rest and how difficult it is to find the spiritual rest God has for us when everything about our life is so busy and so hectic. Can anybody relate to that? Um, that, yeah, I know I'm supposed to have a close walk with Jesus, but like when in my, in my schedule? Like, when in my day is that supposed to happen? Uh, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, and I'm, I'd argue this is the most important component of finding rest in Jesus is what we're going to talk about tonight. It's this concept of abiding. Abiding. Uh, if you've not heard that word before, we're going to talk about what it means, abiding. Um, you know, we've been looking through the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 11 and 12, um, as we've been going through these last few weeks. So right before... The part we've been studying in Matthew 11 and 12, as we're looking at the Gospels, we see that Jesus sends out his 12 disciples uh, to minister in the surrounding towns. He gathers his 12 disciples up and says, I'm sending you out to proclaim the kingdom of God, to call people to repent and turn back from God. I'm also giving you authority to do miracles, to to heal the sick, uh, perform miracles in these towns. And he sends them out to do this, heal the sick, perform miracles, preach to people so they'll repent and turn back to God. Uh, We see this account in... uh, three of the Gospels we see to Matthew, but then also in Mark uh, and Luke as well. Um, we're going to actually take a look at Mark's account tonight because I like how uh, Mark words it, but it's Mark chapter 6 is where we're going to be tonight. If you have your Bibles, we're in Mark chapter 6, uh, and if not, the, um, the verses are going to be up there. This one won't, but the following ones will. <laughs> Mark chapter 6 verse 7 um, says that... Uh, Jesus calling the twelve to him, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. Continuing on to verse 12, it says, They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So Jesus gathers the twelve. Uh, and he says, I'm giving you authority. I'm sending you out. And then the 12 go and work miracles. And they preach the kingdom of God. Now, Matthew has the same account. But what Mark does in five verses, Matthew takes like 40 verses to do. So that's why we're reading this written. Um, but he sends them out because he said, hey, you guys got work to do. And I'm sending you out to um, and preach to people, tell people to return to God. And that's exactly what they do. Um, And so the text that we've been studying these last few weeks about rest uh, immediately follows that when the disciples return to report back to Jesus all the things that they've experienced during this time of ministry. They want to come and report back. Jesus, man, let me tell you what happened when we went to this village over here. And there was this sick lady, man, we prayed for and she got healed. And, oh, God, you know, Jesus, we were preaching in this one town and uh, lots of people wanted to repent and come back to God. And so they wanted to report to Jesus because they're excited, right? And maybe they want to tell them about the days that were hard. Jesus, we went to this one town and they were not trying to hear it, right? And they ran us out of there. Um, our missions team this summer in Dominican Republic, uh, we were sharing the gospel at several universities. Um, and for the most part, that went really well. Um, but there's one particular university uh, that, that did not like us there and security asked us to leave. Right? That's just part of it. That's okay. And so we respectfully said yes. Uh, well, they asked some of us to leave. Some of us could pass for Dominican uh, and they ignored them. But the rest of us that were obviously not Dominican were asked to leave. Um, and that's totally fine. We said, yes, sir. You know, we cooperate with security and their, their large automatic weapons. I said, we'll, we'll wait outside the gate till the rest of y'all are done. Um, but they wanted to report back to Jesus, right? They want to say, hey, Jesus, here's our experience. Um, and and so, the, so when we see Jesus, 
on the Sabbath day, walking with them, and they're walking through the fields, and they're picking grain. And that, that, that's probably during that time where they're reporting back to Jesus, and he's saying, hey, can, let, let's spend some time together. I mean, I'd like to hear about your ministry. Um, we see Jesus spending time with his disciples there on the Sabbath. That's when the Pharisees come after him and accuse him. Uh, again, this is probably right around that time. I think Mark's brief description of this uh, particular event is helpful, so that's what we're going to look at tonight. This is going to be our focus tonight. Uh, Mark chapter 6, we're going to start with verse 30. And this should be up there. Mark chapter 6, starting with verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Man, Jesus, you ought to hear about this. Ah, Jesus, here's what happened. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. 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 Verse 32, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. He says, come on guys, let's go off by ourselves. We're going to go to a quiet place. We're going to rest a while. We're going to rest a while. Um, so they left by boat for that quiet place so they could be alone. Uh, Mark tells us here that the disciples... Uh, the apostles were so busy, so many people coming and going, so busy that they didn't even have time to eat. Have you guys ever been so busy that you don't even have time to eat, right? That the whole day goes by and it's 9 p.m. and you're like, did I eat today? I'm not sure. Like, did I remember to eat today or has it been so crazy uh, that I'm not eating? Has anyone had a day like that? Um, that, that you're so busy that basic self-care, like feeding yourself, you're like, did I even have time to eat today? Like, I don't have... Maybe you got so many classes stacked together, there's not really a lunch break, right? So it's like you eat breakfast, then you may not eat again until late afternoon, and that's just kind of your schedule in this season. Um, Jesus can relate, right? Uh, the apostles can relate. Uh, it says they were so busy they didn't have time to eat. There were so many people coming and going. Life was hectic. Life was crazy. They're trying to spend some time with Jesus. They're trying to report back. But things are so crazy. I, mean, I, I'm, I would imagine you've got Jesus, the miracle worker there. there. Lots of people trying to press in. Like, hey, Jesus, I want your attention. Hey, Jesus, focus on me. Hey, heal me. Um, you know, son of David, have mercy on me. Look at me. Uh, probably a lot of people trying to get Jesus' attention. So Jesus says, hey, it's kind of hectic here. Y'all so busy, you don't even have time to eat. Let's, let's get away. Let's get away. You guys are precious to me. Y'all are important to me. Let's get away um, so we can be alone. Uh, and again, you guys have been there, man, where life is so hectic, so busy. Uh, busyness is one of the biggest problems of the modern age. I say the modern age. Obviously, it was a problem for them as well. But how much more in 2019? Uh, is busyness, man, one of the biggest problems, uh, the biggest sources of stress and anxiety. Um, the pace of modern life is so completely hectic. Uh, we've got things that fill up our schedule. You know, school fills up our schedule. Studying, work can fill up our schedule. Uh, sometimes just nonsense stuff fills up our schedule, right? Sometimes social media fills up our schedule. Sometimes games fill up our schedule. Sometimes Hulu and Netflix fill up our schedule. Snapchat fills up our schedule. It's, it doesn't have to be like meaningful, deep stuff, but all of a sudden, man, our whole schedule is spoken for and full. Uh, you know, and, and, and we've got places to be and places to go. Um, constant distractions that make it difficult for us to slow down and rest. And when we do actually relax and refresh, um, you know, it's, it's few and far between. Maybe we can't remember the last time that we had really meaningful rest time. So when do we take that time to actually relax? When do we make time for self-care, like eating, right? Where they're so busy they don't even have time to eat. When do we have time to slow down and really think about things in our life that matter, right? When do, we, when do you have the last time just to sit and think to yourself 
about your life and what really matters in life and your priorities and think about, just think about the Lord and what he's doing in your life and, and contemplate these kind of things, right? When you didn't have some exam to study for or you didn't have a paper to write or you didn't, weren't rushing to work or you weren't distracted because you had 80 notifications on your, on your Instagram, right? When's the last time, right? That, that life slowed down uh, that much for you. Um, the busyness, the hecticness of the, the pace of our life and then also all the distractions uh, that are in it. I read a book over the summer uh, called Disruptive Witness. It's by Alan Noble. I highly recommend it. Um, those of you guys that are readers, uh, man, I definitely recommend reading it. If you're not a reader, maybe have somebody read it to you. Um, it's really, really good. It's really good. But, but part of what Alan talks about in this book is, man, this hectic pace of modern life and how difficult it makes for us, number one, to connect with God when so much is going on. It makes it difficult for us to connect with other people. Man, how am I supposed to build meaningful relationships with my friends when they're just as busy as I am? They don't have the time or they're just as distracted as I am. Much more, how are we supposed to share Jesus with people when they've got so many things going on that, hey, your invitation to, hey, come to Bible study, come to church, is just one of a bazillion other options that they have and invitations that they have to do these other things. Uh, it's tough, right? So how do you break through that? How do you, how do you break through that noise? How do, we, how do we kind of wake up from that? Reading that book, it stepped on every single one of my toes because all the different ways we distract ourselves, right? You know, life is full enough, and then the little bits of time we do have, we fill with, with nonsense stuff. Right? When, when Apple made it possible to, to look at your screen time and see exactly how many hours a day that, that you're on this app and that app, man, that was painful. That was a gut punch. Maybe I didn't need to know uh, how much time I was on, was, I was on Twitter. Um, uh, I, I started, I've actually started this week to, to try to use some of those features in there to limit the time that I'm on there because it's just way too much, right? It's just way too much. And uh, some of you guys are familiar with the preacher, writer, uh, John Piper. John Piper's got a quote um, that is extremely sobering to me. Uh, and he talks about on the day of judgment, right? One, of us, one day all of us are going to stand before God in judgment. And on the day of judgment, not a single one of us are going to be able to say, God, I didn't have time to pray. I didn't have time to read my Bible. Because on that day of judgment, then our, our social media will be standing there in judgment. How many hours was that on Facebook? How many hours on Snapchat? No, you did have time to pray. It just wasn't a priority, right? That, I mean, and I'm talking to myself, right? That, that's a gut punch. You know, the, the things that we make time for, the things that fill our schedule that aren't really that important, um, again, all the busyness, all the distractions. Um, and how do we connect with God? How do we experience real rest when our lives are so just busy with, with normal life stuff and then the, the, the few little moments between those we clutter up with other stuff? Uh, how do we connect with God? How do we connect with other people? How do we experience rest? So Jesus tells us here in Mark the cure for that. The cure for that is to separate ourselves from it and spend time with him. So look at verse 31. We're going to break down verse 31 and what Jesus says, uh, kind of word by word, key words there. Uh, the, you know, so what Jesus says is, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest for a while. First key word I see there is go. Leave this place, leave this situation, leave the distractions, go somewhere, right? So if, remove yourself from whatever situation where you are highly distracted and put yourself in a situation where you're not going to be as distracted. When Jesus is, dis, is teaching about prayer, he says, man, go into a closet and pray, right? Not a lot of distractions in my closet, you know? It's my clothes, Jackie's clothes, 
a lot of Jackie's shoes, right? And it's dark in there, and there's not a lot of distractions. Uh, but Jesus says, man, go somewhere where there's not a lot of distractions. Get away. And a good place to pray, a good place to really connect with God is not a place where you're surrounded by distractions, right? Where there's screens that are going to beg for your attention, notifications are going to pop up, there's going to be something that you're, you're going to want to look at or pay attention to. Uh, go. By ourselves. You know, get alone with God. Get alone with God. Corporate worship is incredibly powerful, right? There should be times we come together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, New Testament tells us, do not forsake the assembling together with your brothers and sisters in Christ. This is meaningful. This is powerful. But also, we need time to get alone with Jesus as well. The, the true relationship with Jesus is, is personal. It's not, it's not only corporate. And there needs to be time uh, in your day that you're getting alone with Jesus. Um, he says a quiet place. Again, a place that's quiet, that's free from distractions, uh, that, that, that's not loud and noisy and going to distract you. And he says we're going to do that to rest. Right? That this time we spend with Jesus, it shouldn't be stressful. It should be refreshing. It should be life-giving. And how long does he say we're going to do it? A while. A while. Not just for a few seconds, not just for a few minutes, but actually spend some significant time with Jesus. He's not legalistic about it. He doesn't say three hours and eight minutes, right? He said, but he says a while, right? So it's not just going to be a couple seconds here and there, right? It's not going to be the length of a vine, right? Okay, Jesus, all right, we're done. No, but a significant time. Let's spend a while with the Lord. And so another word for this idea of getting away and spending time with Jesus is abiding, abiding. Uh, and this concept of abiding is what I really want us to take away tonight. I mean, I really want you to have a, a concept, uh, a well-understood concept of abiding and figure out what that looks like in your own personal life. Um, what does this look like in our day-to-day -day lives? Abiding is simply spending time with Jesus, spending time with Jesus. The Bible teaches us that uh, as believers, Jesus is always with us, right? And when you put your trust in Christ, and Jesus saves you, right? And you have a relationship with God. You're adopted into the family of God. Jesus comes and lives in you and through you by his Holy Spirit. And he promises, I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. I'm never going to leave you, never going to forsake you. Jesus is with us. But there's a difference between Jesus being with us uh, and abiding in Jesus and focusing uh, on Jesus. And Jesus having our undivided attention and blocking out that time uh, to intentionally be with Jesus. It'd be the difference between... Me taking Jackie out on a date, right? And we're, we're at a restaurant or, you know, get, getting lunch somewhere and we're sitting across the table from each other and she's got my undivided attention, right? And I'm asking her questions about her week, about her day, asking her questions about things that matter and we're having those kind of discussions, right? It's the difference between that and she's got my undivided attention and us maybe doing some chores in the yard where we're side by side and maybe we're talking a little bit, but she definitely doesn't have my undivided attention. Or we're running errands, going through the Kroger or the Walmart. Oh, we need milk. Uh, and, and we're together, but, but, but it's not abiding, right? She doesn't have my attention. Um, there's a difference between that, right? They, 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 occasionally it's, a, it's part of life, right? We're going to do chores together. We're going to run errands together. But if that's all our relationship was, Jackie would be unhappy, and our relationship would not be healthy. You know, for, for the guys here tonight that are future, going to be boyfriends someday, going to be fiancés someday, going to be husbands someday. Um, if you don't make time to just intentionally focus on your spouse, right, give them your undivided attention, they're not going to be happy, right? They're not going to be happy. Uh, and, and your relationship, your marriage, is not going to be a healthy one. Uh, and it's the same with your relationship with God. Right? Jesus is always with you. I mean, that's absolutely true. 
But if we're not taking time to abide, taking time to spend with him, then it's not going to be a healthy relationship, right? We're not going to be as close to Jesus as we could be, and we're certainly not going to experience the deep spiritual rest we ha- he has for us if we're just giving him a few seconds, a few minutes here and there, Thursday nights, Sunday mornings. You guys hear me? That's the difference there. What makes abiding, though, different than what we commonly think of is just our quiet time and devotion time, right? We, we have a concept of, you know, a daily time of devotion, a daily quiet time, right? What's the difference between that and abiding? And, and they are very similar there. But when we think about abiding, abiding kind of stretches that out a little more into spending extravagant time with Jesus, right? Not just a couple minutes here and there where you have the time. I'll do a quick five-minute devo because I've got time here. You know, I'll pray right before I go to bed because I've got a 15 minutes. You know, I'm not, not quite drowsy enough to fall asleep yet. Um, that's not abiding, right? Uh, abiding is a more costly, you know, separation of time, right? It's a more extravagant gift of your time to Jesus, uh, not just what's convenient, right? So when you think about spending time with the Lord, instead of thinking, what's most convenient for my schedule? Think, man, how can I just extravagantly spend time with Jesus because he's the best, right? How can I just spend a lot of time with God because he's my everything? Um, There's this concept, this idea uh, uh, that comes from a missionary named Dick Brogdon, who, um, a heroic missionary hero of Jackie and I's, uh, he's also a a writer. He's a writer of the Live Dead Journal. Uh, In the Live Dead Journal, he takes some time to talk about this concept of abiding and and, and challenges in, in abiding to think about tithing your day to God. Right? We, we talk a lot about tithing our money, right? 10% of whatever we make, we, we give to the Lord, right? To show that, that, that God is in control of our life and that, that we trust him with our finances uh, and that he's Lord, so we're going to give him tithe. But the idea of what about, what if we tithed our time to God, right? And that sounds absolutely impossible, um, but, but just track with me for a second, right? What if we tithed our time to God? You know, he talks about, you know, breaking up your 24-hour day and what would it look like to tithe? Tie that to the Lord. I'm, I'm going to do, what if we just talk about our awake time of the day? Let's say you sleep eight hours a night, right? Some of you guys sleep way less. Some of you guys sleep more. But we're just going to say for, the, for, for tonight, let's say you sleep eight hours. So you're awake 16 hours a day. If you were to tithe your time, your awake time to the Lord, that'd be 1.6 hours. So 96 minutes. So a little over an hour and a half of your day. You say, I'm just going to give this to the Lord. Now, if you're, you're looking at your schedule right now, you say, Matt, that's absolutely impossible. Well, it's going to take some work. It's going to mean you're going to have to fight for it, but it's not impossible, right? Maybe it looks like getting up earlier. Maybe it looks like breaking it up, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's not all at once. Maybe it's 30 minutes in the morning, maybe some time during the day, 30 minutes at night, maybe it's 45 minutes here, 45 minutes there. What would it look like, though, to give Jesus an hour and a half of your day? That's the kind of extravagant gift uh, of your time that abiding would be versus a quick five-minute devotional where it's convenient for you. Do you guys see the difference? Right? That's the difference between taking Jackie out on a date and just texting her I love you in the middle of the day, which is what I did today. Right? That, that's the difference there. Right? Going out on a date instead of sending a text. Right? That, get, say, you've got my time. You've got my attention. You've got my focus now. Um, and think about that. Now, what would it look like to tie your time to the Lord, to really abide with Him that way? So talking about abiding, here's what abiding with Jesus looks like. And there's two, the two big components I want to talk about. First is that undivided attention. Um, and go, go into a place, wherever that is, where you can remove all distractions and anything that's going to take your attention away from the Lord. And go somewhere where you can just be alone. You know, put your phone on, do not disturb, or maybe don't even bring it, right? 
Uh, don't, don't have anything that can get, get your attention or, or kind of distract you away from the Lord. Don't have a screen going. or um, Maybe you want worship music playing, but maybe even that's a distraction. It would be better to cut that off. Um, figure out what that looks like for you. Uh, but, but, but figure out how to give Jesus your undivided attention during this time of abiding. Just your complete focus. Uh, remove those distractions. Get somewhere where you can be alone. And the second big component is it's a conversation. Right? It's a conversation. It's not, not one-sided. Uh, it's not just speaking, but it's also listening. Um, a conversation. Focused conversation. So this looks like listening by reading God's Word. Right? Reading the Bible. Meditating on its truth. Meditating on what God's trying to speak to you through His Word. Um, the number one way that, that God wants to speak to you is through the Bible. Right? The 99.99 whatever percent of the time, if God wants to speak to you something, it's going to be through His Word. Right? And as we're drawn closer to God and maturing as believers, we should never say that God is silent if our Bible's closed and on the shelf. Right? We should never say, oh, God's just not speaking. And we've not read the Bible in three weeks. Right? He is speaking. We're just not listening. The number one way he wants to talk to you is through that book. Right? The number one way he wants to speak to you is through his word. So we've got to read it. There are other ways that God will speak to you. Obviously, as you read the Bible, it's not going to deal with specifics like who you should date and who you should marry and what you should major in and where you should live, right? So we, we do need the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We need the, the counsel of, of the wise men and women of God that God puts in our life, right? So, so there, there are other ways he speaks to us, but the number one way, the number one way he's going to communicate with us is, is through his word. So part of that abiding time is listening to God by just reading the Bible. Reading the Bible, man, man reading not, not just one, one sentence, one verse, but, but spending some time really digging into it. Um, uh, maybe, maybe it's reading a few chapters. Uh, maybe it's a particularly dense chapter, so you just kind of focus in on that one passage or maybe even one paragraph and really try to digest and understand it. God, what were you saying to the original people who first read this as a scroll or however they read it, right? And then what are you trying to say to me today? And then really chewing on that. Is there, is there something in here that you want me to memorize? Maybe I can commit to memory and kind of chew on it throughout the week. Uh, but what are you trying to speak to me through your word? Maybe you journal with it. Maybe God, God's showing you something in his word and you write it down. Because that helps you with ADD and paying attention and not getting distracted, right? So you write it down. Uh, maybe you journal. But take some time to listen to the Lord and what he's speaking uh, through his word. Listen uh, quietly and see if Holy Spirit's dealing with you in any specific areas of your life, Right? Again, not speaking, but just sitting in God's presence and just listening. God, is there anything you're dealing with in my life? Holy Spirit, anything you want to put your finger on? Maybe something I need to repent of, something I need, a temptation I need to be careful of, um, someone I need to ask for forgiveness because I was rude to them yesterday. You know, God, God show me, what, what, what do you want from my life? And of course, taking time to pray and bring your request to God. I and mean, speaking to God, sharing God uh, with God what's on, uh, on your heart, what, what, what matters to you. If it matters to you, it matters to God because he loves you, right? He's a good father who knows how to take good care of his children. Um, don't think that, oh, this isn't that big a deal. I don't need to pray about this. Well, if, it, if it's bothering you, then yeah, you need to pray about it. And if it matters to you, well, it matters to him too because he loves you. And same as I, I care about the things my kids worry about. Even if it's not like a big deal issue, if it bothers them, I want to know about it. I want to know about, them. I want to know about it so I can calm them down and calm their fears and tell them, hey, that's not a big deal and it's going to be okay. Uh, I want to know about it if, if it's a situation that I can fix. But I want to know. I'd rather them tell me than them be stressed out and worried and not tell me. Right? And your Heavenly Father is the same way. If it, if it matters to you, it matters to Him. And make sure you're sharing it with Him in prayer. Uh, undivided attention. Focused conversation. Uh, not just what's convenient, but give an extravagant time to Jesus. 
What if we started doing that? All right, what would that look like? Um, what are the benefits to abiding? What are the benefits to, to, to really giving Jesus this extravagant time? Um, for, first one I want to talk about is fruitfulness. So again, this passage in Mark we said is following a time of ministry. Jesus' disciples have been out there ministering. They've been out there sharing the gospel, walking around campus, asking people how they can pray for them, right? They've been healing the sick, working miracles. Uh, they've been ministering. Um, and this very act of abiding is what makes ministry so fruitful. You know, it was the extravagant time spent with Jesus that transformed these regular, ordinary men into world changers. The disciples, the apostles, when we read about them, these were just regular dudes, right? These weren't scholars and theologians, right? These weren't, these weren't super well-educated or um, charismatic people necessarily. These were regular working-class folks. Um, they just spent a lot of time with Jesus, you know, day and night for, for three years. They just spent with the Lord, and it turned these regular, regular folks into absolutely world changers that, that turned the world upside down. Um, and it's only through abiding with Jesus that our lives are going to be fruitful as well. Just as Jesus sent out these 12 men to proclaim the kingdom of God and to call people back to the Lord, and each and every one of us has been called in the same way to do the same thing, Right? Um, you know, Jesus, uh, his ministry of reconciliation is not, is not just for pastors and it's not just for missionaries, but it's for all believers. The very last command Jesus gave before ascending to heaven right after the resurrection, what did he, what did he tell people to do? Make disciples. Yeah, Matthew 28, the, what we call the Great Commission. Uh, Jesus' very last instruction, say, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to come back. Here's what I need you all to do. Go and make disciples. Of who? Everybody. Everybody of all nations, right? You can start here in town, right? Start here in Jerusalem and then kind of work your way out to, to Judea. And, but really all the ends of the earth, it's for everybody. Disciple everybody. I'll be back. Y'all disciple everybody. I'll be back. And that, again, that wasn't just to pastors. It wasn't just to ministry people and vocational ministry, not just to missionaries, but every single believer. Uh, Jesus says, I want you to make disciples. I want you to share your faith with your friends uh, and your family members um, so they can come to know Christ. Uh, Chi Alpha's verse, if you wonder where Chi Alpha got its name, Chi Alpha's ver uh, verse in the Bible where, where we kind of get our identity is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 20 says this. Uh, we'll, we'll start in verse 19. It says, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. And we speak for Christ when we plead, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Um, that phrase there, Christ's ambassadors, is kind of where we get the name Chi Alpha. I guess that Greek Chi Alpha just sounded a little more collegiate than Christ's ambassadors. But that, that's what Chi Alpha means, right? Chi Alpha means Christ's ambassadors. Christ's ambassadors where? On the university campus. Um, on the university campus. Uh, on 325 plus campuses across the country, right? Uh, Christ's ambassadors, again, not, not just for missionaries, not just for pastors, but all of us, Paul says, are Christ's ambassadors pleading with people, friends, classmates, neighbors, family members, be reconciled to God. And if you're far from God, come back to God. Let me share the difference Jesus has made in my life. Uh, let me share the gospel with you. Uh, and you need to be reconciled to God. I'd love, I'd love to help you with that. Um, 
know, that's the ministry that, that Jesus has given uh, to every single one of us. You know, just as the United States has ambassadors all over the world, uh, in, in almost every country we've got ambassadors that are representing the, the interest of the United States uh, to those people. Um, God has you as ambassadors, man, here at the University of Memphis representing the kingdom of heaven, right? Uh, the, the interests of a foreign kingdom, a foreign leader uh, among people where a lot of them don't know him and don't know what he wants and don't know what he values. Uh, but you get to be those, those ambassadors for Christ, pleading with people to come to God. So in the same way that the disciples were fruitful because of the extravagant time they spent with Jesus, you're going to be fruitful in that work by spending extravagant time with Jesus. You're going to be fruitful in reconciling people to Christ uh, when you spend extravagant time with Jesus. Um, are we so busy that we're not doing that? Right? Has our life become so busy, so hectic, that, that we're not doing the Great Commission, that we're not making disciples, that the most important thing, which is the souls of the people around us, uh, that, that, that we're missing out on that, um, and that's gone on the back burner because we've got consumed with all these fleeting things uh, that, that are urgent, but they're not really important. We're never going to be fruitful uh, in any area of ministry or really any area of our life until we learn to abide with Jesus and spend that daily time with Him. Jesus says it this way in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. The gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because the word that I've spoken to you remain in me as I also remain in you. Your translation might say abide in me as I in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5 again, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Right? Jesus says, I'm, I'm the vine. So picture uh, you know, grapes. Grapes were popular in that area. They're in ancient Israel. You know, they would, they would harvest the grapes. They'd make, they'd make wine. Um, and, and so the grapes grow on a vine. And so it's growing on, uh, what they call it, trellises that they build, these uh, maybe on the, on the branches of a tree, not a fruit-bearing tree, right? Because he says it's not the branches that bear the fruit, it's, it's the vine that does, but you know, the branches can be a support for the vine to kind of grow, wrap around. You know, you guys have seen vines, right? They wrap around everything. We've got vines that try to go up our, uh, what's the thing, gutter, the, the, the water, rain, rain gutter. The, there's, a, there's vines, all kinds of vines like to go up those, go up the side of the house. Um, but grow on anything. Uh, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, right? So, so the picture there is, is uh, again, abiding with him where his life interweaving with ours almost to where we can't see where he ends and we begin are, you know, being so closely knit to him. He's the vine, we're the branches. To the degree that he's woven into us, we're going to bear a lot of fruit. To the degree that he's not woven into us, we're not going to bear any fruit at all. We can't do anything unless we abide in him, unless we remain in him. We will not be fruitful if we don't abide. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me, if you abide with me, man, you're going to be so fruitful. Your life is going to be so fruitful. If you do not abide, if you do not remain in me, well, then you can't be fruitful. There's no way. We're not fruit-bearing trees, right? That We need the Holy Spirit. We need Jesus. We need to abide in Him. The two are directly linked. If our lives are not fruitful, if we're looking at our lives right now and we're not seeing fruit in these different areas, 
of our life. If our lives are not fruitful, we don't have a lack of skill problem or a lack of resources problem. We have an abiding problem, is what Jesus says. Are we not fruitful in life? We have an abiding problem. To what degree are we abiding with Jesus, remaining in Jesus? To what degree are we allowing Jesus to be interwoven into every part of our life? Jesus says, if you abide with him, you will be fruitful, period. He says, if you do not abide in him, you will not be fruitful, period, right? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Why are some people more fruitful than others, right? Why, when you look at some people's lives, do they appear to be more fruitful than others? Um, Yeah, sometimes there's natural giftings and talents, and God's blessed us in different ways. Uh, But Jesus says, the number one thing that's true of everyone is if you abide in me, you're going to bear fruit. And if you don't abide in me, you're not going to bear fruit. Or whatever fruit you appear to be bearing is going to be fleeting. It's going to be hollow. It's going to be empty. But but real lasting fruit, fruit that remains, is only going to come from abiding uh, in Christ. And so that's the first benefit. Why do we abide? Because we want our lives to be fruitful. And Jesus says the only way your life's going to be fruitful is if you abide in me. And of course, the the, the second big benefit in, in our focus of this whole series is rest. The other benefit of abiding is rest. We're not going to experience the fullness of the rest that God has for us if we don't block out that time with Him to receive it, right? Then I'm not going to be able to enjoy the whole Thanksgiving spread if I've only blocked two minutes out to eat it. Now, there's a lot I could shove in, right, in two minutes, right? 120 seconds, let me get a little bit. But I'm not really going to enjoy it. I'm not really going to take, take in all, all that, you know, Jackie, my mom, you know, has worked on and stuff. Um, my brother, man, he, he cooks some good stuff. Uh, mother-in-law makes some really good stuff. But I'm not going to really be able to enjoy it uh, if, if, I just, if I just block out a couple minutes, right? I need a good, like, hour at that table, right, to really do some damage. Hour and a half, right, I might need a different kind of more stretchy pants, right? But in our time with Jesus, we're not going to experience the fullness of the rest and the peace he has if we're only kind of squeezing him in where it's convenient. Do you guys, you guys hear what I'm saying? Um, we've got to block out significant time to receive what he has for us. Deep spiritual rest isn't found in just a couple minutes here and there spread throughout the week. We need to go to that fountain of living water and stay there and drink deep and stay there till we're done, till we're full. Right, last year or the year before, we preached a series from Jeremiah talking about the fountain of living water. Uh, and, and, Jesus, and Jesus, God, paints this picture of himself as a fountain of living water we can come to and drink, and he's going to satisfy all of our deepest needs. But we've got to block out the time to do that, to spend with him, to drink deeply and let him satisfy those things. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary. I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to give you peace. But man, if, if, if we only give him like a minute here, a minute there to do that, we're not going to experience the fullness and the depth of that peace. Does that make sense? Um, the fullness of the rest that he wants to have for us. Um, we, we need to spend that time with him however long it takes. Drink deeply from that fountain however long it takes until, okay, I'm good. I'm satisfied, right? I'm full. That's the last verse we're going to look at tonight. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul here is writing to uh, a church that he planted there in the city of Ephesus. He's writing to Christians, he's writing to believers just like you and me. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15, Paul says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. 
making the most of every opportunity, or your translation might say redeeming the time, or reclaiming the time because the days are evil. It's that concept of redeeming the time, reclaiming the time that I wanted to focus here, at here as we conclude. Um, that phrase, reclaiming the time, I think was in, in kind of the popular consciousness recently from a year or two ago when the, that senator in a hearing you know, was, was saying, I'm reclaiming my time. I want my time back. Right? Don't you waste my time. I'm reclaiming my time. I want it back. Um, and that, that became really popular because it's like, come on, yes. Uh, but you may look at your own schedule and be like, I need to, I want to recla- reclaim in my time. Right? I've given way too much of it to nonsense. I've given way too much of it to stuff that doesn't matter. I want to reclaim some of that. I want to redeem some of that. I want to make the most of every opportunity. I want to redeem that time. Um, Paul says we need to be careful how we live, right? And and that last phrase there, the days are evil. Man, there's something about that phrase. And and if you think about it, a day, you can have a bad day, but days aren't evil, right? Days are, are, are inanimate Concepts, right? A day is a revolution around the around the earth. You know, as Earth goes around the sun, there's a marking of time. But a day can't be evil, right? Like a like a human or you know would be would be evil. You can have a bad day, but but days aren't evil. What's he talking about there? Um, I think he's talking about that the pace of life, the pace of modern life, uh, is evil in the sense that there is nothing about this culture that's going to point you towards God, right? But there's everything about the culture that's going to try to fill every moment you have so you don't have any time for God, right? Everything about the pace of modern life, the busyness, the distractions, all those things we were talking about earlier, everything about that is going to try to pull you away from God. You're going to try to pull you where you don't have time to spend that significant time with God, where you don't have time to spend significant time with other people, building relationships with others, man, having more than just kind of shallow conversations with other people. The days are evil, right? The culture is going to fill up every second you got if you let it, right? Uh, Every moment you got is going to be totally filled if you just kind of go with the flow of the culture, right? School is going to fill it up, work's going to fill it up, and then those those pockets of time you have left, uh, Netflix would love to fill it up, right? Social media would love to fill it up. YouTube would love to fill up every single second, right? The days are evil. A day can't be evil, but everything about this culture is going to try to fill your time where you've got no time for God. So Paul says you've got to be wise how you live. Because if you just go with the flow, the day is not going to try to make time for you. This culture is not going to make time for you to spend with God. You've got to do it. You've got to fight for it. You've got to fight for it because there's no one out here that's going to try to help you do it. I mean, your brothers and sisters in Christ might encourage you and say, hey, do you spend time with God today? But nothing about the pace of modern society, right? Nothing about the pace of, of, of living here, uh, 2019, right? Just the, the, the pace, the busyness of the culture is, is saying, hey, did you have your quiet time today? Hey, did you spend time with Jesus today? Hey, are you abiding and giving that extravagant time to the Lord? No. The pace of culture is, is going to push you away from the Lord. So we need to be careful to... Be wise how we live and then redeem our time and make the most of those moments. Take a hard look at your schedule and say, how can I redeem more of this for God? And that's what redeem means, or redeeming it for God, redeeming it for God. Sometimes we can approach Scripture with a modern, a modern lens, like a Western kind of modern American capitalist kind of lens. We can see something like that, redeem the time, live wisely, make the most of every opportunity. And we can read it through that modern Western lens of, how can I be more efficient? How can I get more done? How can I be more productive? I do not believe that's what Paul's talking about. I don't think he's telling you how to get more done, how to be more productive, how to be more efficient. In fact, it may look like you're less efficient, but you're spending more time with Jesus, so you're more fruitful. 
right? It may not look like getting more done. It may be I'm getting less done, but the things I'm getting done are more valuable and important, and I'm not wasting so much of my time, right? So when he's talking about live wisely, make the most of every opportunity, redeem your time, uh, it's not a productivity kind of thing. It's a redeem more of your time for God and spend that time with God, extravagant time with God, abide uh, with Jesus. The days are evil. They're not going to help you out, right? Nothing about this culture is going to try to push you towards Jesus and say, have you read your Bible today, right? Have you watched every episode of this new season of the show? Yeah, maybe, right? Uh, You know, we've got this whole, the whole season all at once. You can can binge watch this show or that show, right? But nothing's going to be pushing you to binge Binge read your Bible, right? Where you're just like, man, man, I, I've, got, I've got class in the morning. I really can't stay up like this, but just one more chapter. One more chapter. I've got to work in the morning. What am I doing? Okay, but just one more chapter. Oh, I, just, I, I love it, right? Nothing, nothing about the culture is pushing you in that direction. Um, the, the days are evil, so we've got to be wise. We've got to make the most of every opportunity. And we're going to wrap up there. Um, Jesus loves you. He wants to spend a lot of time with you because he loves you. Um, and the same way you know, a parent loves their kids. And I want to spend a lot of time with my kids when they let me, right? Um, they want to watch cartoons. They want to play Minecraft. Okay, I'll just sit by you while you do that, I guess. But um, and I love it when they give me that, that personal attention, when they want to talk to me, when they want to tell me about their day, when they want to crawl up in your lap and just love on you. Man, that's the best. And Jesus loves you. He wants that from you as well. You know, the Jesus that offers you rest and peace, uh, he said, the way you get that rest and peace is spending time with me. Not just a minute here and there, not just a few seconds here, but I mean, let's we'll talk out some extravagant time, right? Um, and that's, that's what abiding is. And I'd really love, man, each and every one of us to get that concept of abiding, to apply that concept of abiding uh, to our lives. Um, I'd love to pray for you guys. And, and as we pray, let just Holy Spirit search your heart. Um, and, and this is... Uh, as far as like application, I mean, this is something maybe you need to go home and take a hard look at your schedule and being like, I can do better than this. And, and where, where, where's the time being wasted? What can I move around um, where I can really abide with Jesus? Uh, you know, that, the concept of tithing your time, maybe that sounds a little bit exciting and a little bit scary, and I don't know if that's doable, but man, that'd be a cool goal to work towards, right? An hour, an hour and a half with Jesus every day. Uh, to start working towards that, to spending that extravagant time, and then seeing how much more restful you feel, how much more spiritually nourished you feel, how much more fruitful your, your life is, right? Um, let's say it takes some time to come to the Lord in prayer. Um, Father God, we love you. Uh, we thank you for the encouragement of your word. God, we thank you that you want to spend time with us, God. God, it's us that, that gets so busy that we don't make time for you. God, the key to everything is locked up in that concept of abiding. Jesus says, if you abide with me, if you remain in me, if you spend time with me, you're going to bear much fruit. God, we want to experience the fullness of what you have for us. We want the fruit uh, of you to be full in our lives, the fruit of the Holy Spirit to be full in our lives. That love, that peace, that joy, that patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness self-discipline, these are the kind of things we want to see full in our lives. We want to experience more of your peace, more of your joy. But that fruit is only going to grow in our lives to the degree that we remain in you, abide in you, God. God, the, the, the pace of modern life is so busy, it's so hectic, God. It was for your disciples where they didn't even have time to eat. It, it's, it's all the more true today in 2019, God, if we don't 
fight to block out that time. It's not just going to happen. But God, I pray that we would take hard looks at our schedule and figure out how we can better abide in you. God, that if we want to be fruitful in this life, it's not because we're uh, more or less talented than the next person, God, that, that it's, man, are we willing to abide and spend time with you and let you make us to be the men and women of God you want us to be. I love you, Lord. God, I pray that, that you would place a strong conviction in each of our hearts that we just want to spend extravagant time with you. We want to be with you. I want to take that time just to sit at your feet, to sit in your presence in prayer, worship, and study in your word, and not be rushed to get through it, God, but just to hang out with you until we're done. God, I pray, Lord, that, that, that here uh, in this community of Kyle, for God, that we would have friendships and relationships where we are encouraging one another and asking, hey, what have you been studying in the Bible lately? Or how was your quiet time today? Or, or what, what, can I, what can I take off your shoulders where you have a little more time to spend with Jesus today? God, let us encourage one another, spur one another on uh, to deeper walks with you, God, and good works, Lord. We love you, Father. We love you, Father. God, we put our trust in you. We put our confidence in you. Um, and God, I pray, Lord, that, that you would uh, help each of these students, God, experience the fullness of the rest and the peace that you have for them, God. God, rest in their, in their physical life, God. God, rest in their, their emotional, mental well-being, God. Rest, uh, deep spiritual rest that only you can provide, God. We love you, Lord. We trust you with all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.